Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Banter, banter, banter. And we are entering the banter segment. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode. Yeah, we survived another week. I have no idea how the hell we did that, considering the heat. Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime Day. Um, and I apologize yeah, in advance, just... Zen. They actually had sale on tops that would fit me. And because I'm a short fat chick, it makes it a little bit difficult. Oh, you bought stuff. Well, <laughs> we also had a Rudolph. What else do you want me to do, man? It's a Rudolph. Okay. A Rudolphs <laughs> are different. That's something totally different. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy, and yeah. we're and we're trying to to squeeze in a couple of little extra bits here and there to try to get ourselves back to where we were at, where we had almost a month of content. <laughs> pre-recorded that's the way that it goes you know hooray for us though you know we've got so we it turns out we actually know some really really awesome people that are like oh really i can help with that which is kind of awesome yeah and in in the in at his as his tradition as his tradition damn you do charmaine <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Sorry, it's been it's been a running gag uh, with our special guest here, Mark Owens, who has been gaming even longer than I have and has been running probably about half, three quarters, as long as he's been gaming, I guess. Maybe even longer. Well, those Maybe. are things to find out when we get into the, into <laughs> the chatting with him. See? Well, well, that's the thing. It's like we can ask. <laughs> okay. Hi, all. How's it going? Scooching closer. Yeah. Excellent. Scooching closer. I am scooching closer. Lick the mic. <laughs> don't don't lick the mic. You don't know where it's been. It's been mm. to Origins. You don't want to oh, lick that oh. mic. Oh no, no, that's a fair point. <laughs> mm. I've not been to Origins. I've been to Dragon Con quite a bit and huge con. So yeah, if it's anything like that, yeah, I wouldn't want to lick the mic but uh to answer the question i've been running probably closer to 85 to 90 percent as long as i've been playing because well when you're the only one who is into this and you try to rope your friends into it you end up being the gm almost immediately isn't that how it almost always goes i know right yeah mm -hmm. yeah pretty much i was gonna say i think that's i remember when i first started uh, back back in the the olden days when there was only one game 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, it was the guy who who got me interested in it ran it about four or five times and then I picked it up. Isn't that always what? So, so Mark, what was the first game you ever GM'd? It was, hmm, it was Vampire the Masquerade. LARP or tabletop? It was tabletop. Okay, okay. Because I had no idea. So, I actually found the Storyteller's Handbook for Vampire the Masquerade at a grocery store. I thought it was neat. And I didn't know, like, how role playing game publications worked. So as far as I knew, there was a book and that was where the information for the game was. And that was a supplement. And I didn't know that. And I tried really hard to figure out how this game was supposed to work without the core book. Yeah. So, yeah. Wait, and it was the first edition. Store? Weirdly. Yes. And my mother bought it for me because I was like 15 and I found this thing and I was like, this is neat. And it had this like late eighties looking early nineties. Like it's the early white wolf the, stuff with uh, yeah with the with the leather jacket and she's like leaning over this man lying on the ground bleeding and she's hissing and her teeth are out she's like ah and it had yeah. the whole urban urban vibe it was like totally different uh-huh. and I had of course I'd been exposed to Dungeons and Dragons of course I, I loved the cartoon as a kid I'd watch that on Saturday mornings still one of the best oh yeah. 80s cartoons ever made mm-hmm. like if you go back and watch this pretty much anything else is nostalgia side to watch but. Honestly, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon is not bad. I well, mean, it was written by Paul Dini, who wrote Batman the Animated <clears throat> Series, and <clears throat> they like they, they actually had. showed. Yeah, that's how he's able to get in Batman is he showed yes. the script, and there was like next to no rewrites. So I managed to find what was purported to be, and I have no real reason to doubt it. The script, the unshot, unrecorded, the unperformed or made mm-hmm. whatever script for the final episode where they resolved the Avenger. Oh. It's really pretty cool. Oh, it cool! It is neat. I mean, I just, I just loved that show. And the um, what got me about the, this book, though, it just the the environment, the world, the the story possibilities. That's what always had interested me. I had attempted to get into Dungeons and Dragons before, but having no gaming friends, nobody with prior experience, no elder siblings or older friends or anything that knew anything about it. I found advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I thought, well, maybe I should learn basic before I try to dive into advanced, <laughs> not knowing that that is completely unnecessary. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just, I'd read a little bit about it. And my thing was always the stories you could tell. I was never really fascinated with rules and how the rule systems work. And frankly, first edition Dungeons and Dragons rules are um, odd. Like why you need a whole stat separate from strength for bending bars and lifting gates and why elf is a class. I don't That's but, basic. I know yeah. that's basic. But still. And it's well, it was. It's. I know advanced was different. <laughs> basic was designed to get new players in. That's literally the reason why it was done that way. Oh, that does make some sense. And <laughs> that's why it kept like halflings were more like rogues. It was simplified. Dwarves were fighters. Yeah, they just took out the class option, and then they made the four base classes as just human, and then. Later on, as I think a couple of other like 
when expert and actually none of those actually had it. It didn't actually come out until the rule cyclopedia came out for those that remember that book. Oh God, we're dating everybody, aren't we? Which included such things as the mystic. Mm -hmm. And which was basically the monk. Oh yeah. Like a a mystical monk. It was kind of cool. But yeah, I actually found so, a copy of that just recently. Yeah, so like with them, in the last the year, thing with Vampire, and the reason I ended up just my first a used bookstore experience was I eventually ended up with the core book and actually learned how to do it. And what I would do is I would write up character and sheets at various levels, various strengths, and I would just roll out combat with them so I'd understand the rule set. And then I got two of my friends. There were a couple of girls from high school that I hung out with a lot, and I got them. To, it was really interesting because you don't uh, leave it to vampire to bring women into the game, but uh, <laughs> it didn't really work out. They just did because they were my friends and they weren't really into it. But I got to run like two or three games where my friend, she decided that, oh, I'm a vampire. I'm going to walk down the street. I'm going to kidnap the mayor. And she ended up trapped up a tree from the mayor's guard dogs. <laughs> That's basically yeah. how the game ran. I think I've always been just, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what she was going to do. I just, through the scenario together. And that's pretty much been my style ever since I'm tremendously a sandboxer. I don't really try to pixel bitch all the little, the little things that might happen. Mm. <clears throat> but uh, Mark, you were talking about, you know, vampire kind of being the, the gateway you had for getting your female friends into gaming. Yeah. It was kind of the gateway to getting me into it. I was interested in it, but nobody in my little, little town was into that sort of thing. <clears throat> well, did you start, did you start gaming more like, I didn't you know, really when, start gaming hard until college when I joined the gaming club there. I, I, I joined the um, gaming club in my college and that was interesting. So I got to actually play, they put me in um, to a second ed D and D game and ooh. they put me in, they basically took one of the characters and they shaved two levels off of her and gave me that as the character to play. So basically I just took, you know, there was a level 10 wizard and they just said, okay, uh, drop this one down to eight, change it to a guy, give it a new name. And now there's a new wizard. It was a huge group. There was like nine players. They had had tremendous history because the, the oldest player was a senior a college senior, but he had joined the game when he was a freshman and it had been going, at that point. So this game was probably six, seven years old at least. And they had this magnificently huge and well fleshed out world. It was just really cool. Unfortunately, there was drama with the, the the club sponsors who were running the game and a couple of the members and, you know, college drama and all that, but yeah, yeah. which is like high fun. school, but <clears throat> usually involves, you know, Somebody having sex with somebody. Yeah. yeah. Either that or <laughs> sex, drugs, theft, <clears throat> or some other kind of horrible bullshit. You know how it goes. Got strange. But um, yeah, so but uh, so you actually went into a a you know like a, that's already kind of a living campaign. You know that's already been one that would have been going for a while. Yes. Is that kind of what made you into? Because I'll, I'll tell you, it's like I have played in Mark's games, and he is 
He is a world builder. I drive world you nuts. World builder. I is articulate. We drive each other nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I like playing um, within worlds that are already built. I want to, you know, it's like I, I want to, it, it's like, yes, I want to go into Narnia and play in Narnia. Mark is a, and I'll be honest, he is a phenomenal world builder. But for me, because I, I realize more of my style is, is like, I like playing you know, I, I want to play in a sandbox that I already know what's in. He like going, I'm going to build a sandbox and I'm going to use like lava sand, you know, from the volcanoes and it gets powdered up, you know, and it's at that really fine black sand. And, and it's it's amazing. He builds these beautiful worlds. But, you know, it, it, what? It drives you nuts because you can't look it up in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what for I me, love about world building. <laughs> I like because the thing is, like, for me, I like to read everything I can about a world and then dive in to play in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like I if I was going to go scuba diving at the, at the Galapagos, I wouldn't just go. I would study everything I could about the Galapagos just so I could get all I could out of it. Mm-hmm. But that's but that's me. And that's what I like. But, you know, what what put you on the on the on the world building? You know, that's kick? what drew me to the games to begin with. It wasn't. It was the stories in the world building. It was the, the fascinating creation of this space and the things in it and the creatures and the, the and the history and, and all of that. I had been a huge Tolkien fan. And I think it's the, the deep, rich world that Tolkien built in Lord of the Rings. It was essentially my escape from reality from the time I was... I started reading it when I was 10 and I just would read The Lord of the Rings. And then when I was finished, I would just pick up the first book again and read it again and again and again. And I would get something new out of it every single time. And I'd read other things in between. But I basically went straight from Judy Bloom to Tolkien and never looked back. So I've read it like 37 times so far over the course of, you know, I haven't read it again in a while. Probably should, but. You know, I'm also one of the weirdos that loves the Silmarillion. I have a hardcover Mm -hmm. from the 60s. Yeah. That's in my collection. So, So, yeah. So, Zen, when you come up here, it's like you, me, Mark, we ought to go. It's just, you want to see, he has a Lord of the Rings. He has a Tolkien like a bookcase. I'm crazy. I collect, he collects them. I collect copies of Lord of the Rings that are older than me. Yeah. So there's way too many of them there. There's the red book. There's the black book. There's the gold and green uh, slipcover hobbits. There's. I've got um, a green hardcover slipcase. <laughs> yeah. Of the hobbit. Uh, the, yeah, I've got that one and the gold one. There's a 50th anniversary and the 75th anniversary. Nice. <laughs> you love them. You should totally jump check them out. Fun, fun. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like you, uh, Mark and Zen, you both are very much like world builders. Mm-hmm. But how? I mean, it's like, I, and you like to. So here's the thing: we just had a world building episode, we top did. down or bottom up. And Zen, if you want to do a quick, quick, quick recap, and and then mm-hmm. we can have Mark weigh in. I think it'd sure. be kind of cool. Uh, so basically the concept is you've got basically three types of world builders. You've got top down, which mm-hmm. you start huge and you go down to each individual like town if you want to do it that way. And then bottom up, you've got 
a town and then you just kind of build out from there as you need it. And then you have those weirdos like me that do a <laughs> kind of hybridization. So I'll take like a huge section and I'll create things like the gods and the religion and maybe like a country and the name of a country and oh there's this cool mountain range thing over here and then oh well yeah those things just exist in the world but this is where we're going to start <laughs> which is separate from all of those other bigger elements and then i build those up and then as they as i need to i'm adding more things from wherever they're going and all of the area that surrounds it i start to fill that out because I'm always of the mind that you never know what direction the damn players are going to go. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your, when you build world, Mark, do you, are usually more of a top down where you, you know, think of just everything you're like, you know, like you're gone and mixing everything up or are you kind of like, I'll fix the town and then see what everyone else and build the world out from there. So honestly, it's very similar to what you described, but I, what I did in the, the, I basically built uh, this huge world. Sorry, I built basically this huge world in our D and D campaign. Uh, the one that, uh, Chrissy was in one iteration of it. I had at one point three different groups going in the same world uh, at the same time. One of them was set a thousand years in the past, and two were just in different parts of the world. But what I did was I started with kind of a broad strokes concept of the core conflict okay. with a, I believe that the central idea was that there had been a, a reincarnation cycle, a God of that cycle and a disaster, which had forced that God of both life and death reincarnation to choose one side of his own nature over another. And in so doing, he chose to preserve life at the expense of an extinct, you know, there was an extinction event, huge, basically asteroid type event, you know, dinosaur world ending thing on this world, but it's a magic world. There's full of gods and all kinds of things. So he says, well, if I prevent this or work with the other gods to prevent this, then I'm denying my nature of death. And if I, and if I do not, then I'm denying my nature of life. What am I going to do? So he eventually chose to work with these gods to, stop this disaster from destroying the world completely. And in so doing, he inverted himself and he ended up driving himself insane and became a God of undeath, a essentially an inversion of a reincarnation cycle. Yeah. A static inversion of a dynamic reincarnation cycle. And then basically the history of the world from that point just erupted from there. I had a century of, a century of just absolutely horrific undead eruptions. I had wars. I had diseases. I had other gods. Several of the gods died. The goddess of fate died <laughs> because she, there was a, eventually she saw there was a point past which she could no longer see the future. Yeah, that's usually your death. <laughs> it's bad. So things went really, really wrong in this world at that point, but there was not an extinction event. So there was a whole lot of other things with it. I had their priesthood go mad because their God went mad. Only a couple of them managed to survive and ended up being coming, you know, in time, the new goddesses, uh, new goddesses of life and death, separate people. 
And so I had this broad thing going. And then when I got the character sheets from the players, I said, okay, I wanted them to work together. So we did basically a, uh, a group document. So it was, it was essentially a, a situation where you, you get your players and you say, okay, you guys know each other. How do you know each other before we even start? How do you guys know each other? You guys get along. Why do you get along? And I got that information. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to put you guys in a little bitty town called Long March. Why? Because it's a long ass march out there. <laughs> and I built this little town and they had, you know, the typical little level one, two, three things that would happen. You know, a little girl went missing while hunting for herbs in the woods. And some of the manifestations of this dark God's presence in the world sealed away as he was, was, began to manifest. And so the, the core conflict of the whole thing erupted from there and you know, there these evil crystals and all kinds of stuff. And as they would go, I would add more to the world, just pretty much the world would essentially render itself into being as they moved along. Yeah. And I would just take a note of where I went and what was going on. And eventually after much travel and after, you know, encountering various PCs and PCs, they, they needed their locations and their histories looked at. So the world would just kind of, kind of like a fractal growth expanded from there until I had this deep, rich world. And it allowed me to have the flexibility to bring in elements that the players would invent things that I would not have thought of. For instance, our, our player who played a wood, a female ranger, a wood elf, said that, well, her backstory was that her parents didn't want her to be an adventurer. They wanted her to stay home and become a, a, a cleric, you know, the nature god. So she didn't want to do that. So she ran off and that turned into that society had been, what that became was that what else society suddenly was essentially oppressive of their female members and they kept them sheltered and they didn't believe they should be out doing and doing these things. And, and I ended up adding into the to the culture that this was because of a, of a terrible disease during the uh, aftermath of the fall of the, of the reincarnation God. Oh, that's so they cool. had to protect them because their, their species would die out if the, if the women were being affected by this disease. And so it just turned into this cultural protectionism that time, whose time was over, but they were very high bound about it. So it was this conflict there and there was, you know, other elements like that would come in. So for instance, yeah. one of the characters was a, was a, a half dryad. So what I did was did a level adjustment because dryads are what? Oh, I think level six. Yeah. yeah they're like yeah. a six character. They're, they're adjustment. <clears throat> so what I did was I said, okay, well, a dryad sapling is a level two adjustment. So we made her two adjustment and we cut all those extra stats down to fit level two instead of six and said, you can move freely when you grow up, essentially. When you fully mature, you will become a full dryad. You'll get your full level. You'll become an NPC, and you'll have a tree, and you'll be stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> that was all because a player wanted to play a dryad, but I wasn't going to give somebody a, a level six. Uh, you level know, six adjustment. Level adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. And that was never, you know, it was just she loved the idea. It's just how are we going to do this with this ridiculous level? I was like, okay, well, make you a sapling. You're you're at a level two level adjustment, so that worked fine. <clears throat> yeah, we used and, to and do that, that a lot was- with uh, when when you'd have like in in three five and stuff. You had all of these level adjustment characters, so you'd have like oh, I want to do like a 
Tifling or an ASMR. It's like, those are like level two. Thrycreen. You know, well, Thrycreen was different. And that was, if you were doing Dark Sun, you just allowed it because mm-hmm. everything was either psionic and or poisonous and was out to kill you <laughs> and might also be undead. So Yeah, but no, but... It, come up with the weirdest thing, Thrycreen Bard, okay? So, hmm. one set of arms is on drums, the other set of arms is, is wailing on guitar. Yeah. Like oh, I said, this is what Zippy comes up with when he's bored. It's beautiful. That's wonderful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, it was, you know, like, I said, for me, you know, it, it's Mark. Um, the other thing that he actually comes up with is he actually is able to use world building in... Uh, that's about the way digging with other GMs when you're a player. He, his penchant for world building, and I've seen you do this with Dusharbane, hence the damn you Dusharbane. That's a mage game. game. That's how mage is. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, he actually uses, and he will actually use like the the mage powers to create, you know, a world within like the mage world. So it's well, kind of it's ridiculous. He can actually do that, like literally create little worlds. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, does it? The one thing I was wondering is like, oh yeah, but um, dude, my, my character does the same thing. Just mm-hmm. it's like I'm just like, no, these are the, this is it. This is the rules. That's it. You on the other hand will actually have you and you've written it up for each of your pocket dimensions, like the rules and regulations and all the like a lot of other things. I mean, is that because you just like the world building on just almost anything? I like the world building, but I, I've used those little pocket realms to do everything from accidentally destroy an entire Camarilla court. Um, That was not the intention, but (laughs) they took over my party and I wanted, I figured one or two would would come and Mm -hmm. infiltrate. I didn't expect the freaking RP to go, Oh, well, we're just going to take this whole thing over from the whole court. Anyway, that's a whole story. You don't need to get into gamer stories. But there was that. There was a realm that that is created to reflect the expectations of the person trapped in it so that I can see what they're expecting to happen, which is just mean. Um, and there was one that I created in order to make a lot of use out of trifluoride. No, dice. Was it trice? Sodium, yeah. tr- sodium trifluoride or mm-hmm. tetrafluoride, something yeah. like that. It's this crazy chemical that oh, yeah. should not be touched unless you're using it from another universe. Exactly. Where it can't get you. Yeah. So, yeah, he had to go. <laughs> but the, the thing the thing is, though, that, you know, in the mage game, him and me both have that same ability. But he mm-hmm. will actually, I mean, it's like, do you, do you think it's like because it actually adds a little bit of just world creation and kind of like extra just because it's fun i believe every player contributes to the world of the game they're in to some degree or another every action they take every decision they make has some impact on that world and you can either choose to minimize that and just do what's on your sheet or you can choose to i mean i'm not talking about making rules up but yeah but i'm talking about actually going out interacting with the world and kind of trying to make something lasting in that world. I mean, you can be a murder hobo and go into dungeons and, and, and bash orcs <laughs> and steal their stuff, or you can go and maybe build your own criminal enterprise that didn't exist before or order of wizards or, you know, over time, you don't expect to start off doing that. But or that can Rick be roll your Mozart. Or Rick, I did Rick roll Mozart. Yeah. It was fun. No. Yes. I totally recalled Mozart. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. This is 
Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, well, you know, time travel plot. You Amadeus. Know. The movie Amadeus shows one of what Mozart would do is that he would go to parties and he would people would give him little themes to play with, and he would take that little theme and he would riff on it. I wanted to know what he would do with. I wanted to know what he would do with "Never Gonna Give You Up," so I gave him "Never Gonna Give You Up," and he riffed on it. And it was awesome, and it was a private joke for me. He was never gonna know. <laughs> Except that his ghost survived long enough to see Rick Astley. And I started getting haunted. So from like 1986 on, every Halloween, I would get essentially Rick rolled, Rick rolled back by Mozart. Apparently didn't appreciate a 200-year-old joke at his expense. Uh, but that's, the, I mean, but the thing is like, that's the, also the kind of richness um, I know Mark as a player and as a GM will bring into almost any I game. Jam, <laughs> no, no, but as a as a player or a GM, that's the kind of richness he'll do. But the the one thing is is what do you do when you're kind of like a, a convention? I don't know if you ever do convention games or Not if you much. have, but no, they're very me. static. In- that's why I avoid those. I mean, I. I know that a lot of people really do love the organized play and they love things like the Pathfinder Society and the, whatever the D&D version is. I know they have one. Yeah. I, I just, it doesn't appeal to me to run a game where I'm locked into a specific result. I, the plot has to begin in a certain spot. It has to end in a certain spot. It has to include the following elements and be set in this following setting. Gotta following hit this these, these notes. I've never been a module player. I don't even play modules. I will look at a module. I will extract ideas from it. I will borrow NPCs from it. I'll riff on it. I pretty much won't run a module. I'll wow. run things from a module. I, I have much very little choice where I'm at because my player pool is really small. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm running this thing because if I start telling people, yeah, I'm going to run like this totally homebrewed thing with my own world. They're like, nope. And I'm like, oh, they're missing out really? on what I think is the real, the yeah, real value of these games is I not love, to run. I love it as a player. Even I love finding like somebody that enjoys world building like I do because I, I build books as a hobby. So I actually have made notebooks that are just for writing up game notes. I have one of these. World. Yeah, but I have the big one. My, no, no, my you made me one, one for you made me one though for my first origins, remember? Yes. Yeah. The game has one of those. It's got what 70 something sessions recorded in it and mm-hmm. then Thirty more from the secondary game, and then it's, it's nuts. nuts and so much fun. And I would, I would echo things that happened in one game to the other, and actually ended up with one character switching teams or <laughs> switching sessions. Se- well, yeah, session groups, switched groups, yeah. So, yeah. But because the, the, one of them eventually just, it's yeah. hard enough to keep one game going. Yeah. Well, if you're, if, here's the thing: it's like I know you won't run modules, but do you play in them? Okay, I mean, yeah, playing them fine. You know, depending. I. I'm really allergic to railroading, like a lot. So the way I like to see something like a module is basically as a set of suggestions. And if I were to run a module, I would treat it like a cruise ship. <laughs> I would treat it like a cruise ship rather than a railroad because you can do a lot on a cruise ship. You can go anywhere you want to do. You can do anything you want to do, but the whole thing is moving along a predefined course. But that course is not locked in. If something truly absurd happens... 
your cruise ship can sink. Your cruise ship can go to the wrong continent. Your cruise ship can any number of things yeah. can happen. But they might sleep with a cabana boy. Might yeah. I mean, just on the cruise ship, you can do pretty much I never, anything. I actually the never concert. thought about having a but thinking the about like a thing like a like a predetermined plot. That's actually probably one of the. All right, Zen, you're going to have to write this down. It's just like they, if you actually have a set kind of plot. No, because that's bright. Well, I've never been on a cruise, so of course. Oh, but yeah, but I've been on a six-hour cruise going from one place to another. It's not yeah. the same. But just the concept is it's a big enclosed environment in which you can pretty much be in a sandbox because it's huge, except that overall it's going in one direction. And it's going to be hard to change that. It's almost like Discworld if you think about but it. it can know? be. Yeah, like you the know. turtle. Yeah, you yeah. can tickle that turtle's you know nose, and it'll sneeze and end up in a different part of the galaxy in a few million years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> oh my gosh, oh, that's awesome! I, I, I'm sorry, Zen. I've been kind of monopolizing the questions, and I suck. Well, you can smack. No, it's fine. It's fine because Gordemoje <laughs> uh, actually had sent me uh, a few that he thought of, and. Oh. Well, since what? he's not here, let us ask one, and let, let us pour out a question for he who is not here. Right. <laughs> All right, go for it. So, what is the hardest barrier a player will put up that you have to overcome in storytelling? Wow. <laughs> he might. He, he gets good questions, doesn't he? Yeah, that's good. I would say an unwillingness to cooperate with the game and the plot, and. I want people to cooperate with the plots that I present, but I'm not. The thing is that the plots that I present are really. Here's something that's going on. What do you do? And I you want you want the yes and I want the yes and I want the I'll even take a no, but but I don't want just a no. Yeah, I really don't want that. And I, I don't want what I don't want is the setting. What gets me, I think, maybe just turned into a pet peeve thing is the really thing is the setting is to me needs to be respected in the game. You know, I, what gets me, I think is when I've got this world and I put together like a 20 page word world document that I don't expect people to read the whole thing, but I, I kind of expect them to at least kind of read the, the general, like the, the like the one page overview. Here's the kind of world we're in. These are the kind of things that are acceptable or unacceptable in this world. And to have somebody be like, okay, like let's say I'm not a hugest fan of psionics stuff. So if I don't include psionics in my world, I really don't want to have an argument with the player about why they need to be a psionicist. Sure. If my world is sword and sandal and it's set in let's say in a sort of Conan the Barbarian or ancient Greece kind of I'm going to play a Jedi in that. Okay. I, yeah, I don't want a Jedi. (laughs) I don't even want a fully armored knight. I don't because that's not a thing. No, it doesn't fit this. It doesn't fit the setting. I want the setting to be respected in the game and you can do whatever you want to within that setting, but it needs to, to me to flow with the game. And so kind of like going to the Ren Faire and seeing people dressed up as Star Trek away team people, uh, <laughs> I usually don't have a problem with that is as I, long as I, they're just being silly and not well, being I dickish. know, but they're not being, I, I don't have a huge problem with that particular thing. It's just, I just kind of roll my eyes a little bit. I, yeah. I maybe it's not fair for me to do it, but I mean, really, <laughs> Yeah. but at least try to respect the, respect the, 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 what's presented here, you know? 
that's just kind of there. Those guys are very deliberately moving outside of they're being antagonistic to be antagonistic. Essentially being antagonistic to the the setting. Now I don't really a lot of people, like especially really hardcore Ren Fair people, we get really upset if you wear black because black just doesn't like modern black just wasn't really a thing. And like I don't I don't really want to get into into that kind of detail or, you know, we're set in the court of Henry the Eighth, but that style of ruffled collar wasn't you know, for it didn't happen years. for until the end of the reign of his daughter, Queen Elizabeth. And I don't know. I no, yeah. I'm sorry. That's way too picky. It's just that's that's SDA stuff where it's like they're yeah. they're trying to that's, preserve the history. Well, and exactly. I, and I appreciate it too with that. Yeah. I appreciate it too. SCA is, is but the thing is though that that's the expectation in the SCA. Right. I mean, which is fine. That's that's what's presented, and so you know, I I'm all for that. But just, just to, to deliberately, mm-hmm. you know, go the opposite direction just to be contrary. Well, it bugs me. Yeah, in the I was going to say just to be contrary game. is kind of an yeah. Thing. But that's 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 less of it's more of a, somebody trying to derail. Like, look, if if everyone's decided, okay, we're we're going to play goblins, um, kind of like the opposite of the heroes, like the goblins comic or something like that. I love goblins comic. Oh, I love it, so but. Good. Uh, but says like, and you're, you're playing a, a frenzy goblin that's killing the party, you know, or they're, they're doing something, you know, out of like star jam or some bullshit. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing it just to, to be contrary. I mean, they're to be the snowflake. Yeah. The fact is we are all snowflakes, but the one thing we got to kind of realize is like, you know what? Be a snowflake. Don't be a green snowflake or a yellow one. Oh, please don't be a yellow snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the, you know what's actually kind of interesting? This is something that I've, I'm I'm in the process of building is a deck of cards called the Snowflake deck. Ooh. And it's because every player wants to be that special snowflake. Mm-hmm. And your moment I am simple. so tired of the guy who's like, why well, I, I figured out how to do this. If I add this feet from this book and 45,000 things from here and there and everywhere else to make this one amazing character who can do one thing better than everybody else on the planet. I'm like, what's his name? What's his favorite color? Um, okay. So here's what, I, here's my, my proposal for it is, is like, you can play you can use things from the core the core book now each person gets to draw like say three cards from the snowflake deck and it would allow you to do things like play any class you want play any race you want use any one supplemental book that way you're you're kind of tightening down what's allowed, but only that player gets to use those things, not the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. And some of them would be just as simple as have a plus two strength, have mm-hmm. a plus two whatever, mm-hmm. add an extra 500 gold to starting money, you know, just something. For those people that don't want to have like this really detailed – backstory or whatever it's like i just i get a plus two to my strength okay cool i know what to expect from you 
I think, yeah, exactly. I think that a lot of that comes to respect for the story and the setting. And when you're trying to min-max and really be very mechanically inclined, okay, if you're into that, that's great, but please do it within the confines of what's reasonable. What I really don't want to see is somebody to go, oh, well, if I play a half-ogre hulking hurler with the following, you know, seventh party feats i can do twenty thousand damage by throwing huge rocks at people and, yes. and i'll say well no large creatures are not allowed here well here's what i'm going to do i'm going to play a half orc and i'm going to have a cursed ring of enlarged person that i can't take off so that means that i'm a large creature now and then i can qualify for the feats i'm like yeah. no but the thing no. is like if yeah. they're able to and here's the thing though sometimes though with here's the gm like if you've got somebody that that's very much um a, a number crunchy super stat block, have them come up with an item. We had something called the night night hammer mm. because we, what we did is we had somebody and we pretty much put vicious and vorpal and all, all this other horrible stuff <laughs> on it. But mm. then what we did is uh, we also made it that whatever um, it increases damage, but it does damage to you. But then what we did is we turned it to all sub dual damage so you could smack somebody and it would do like a bajillion damage, but the worst it would do is knock them out. Yeah. It's like, all right, you know, it's like that might be something. I mean, as, I, as a GM, we, we had somebody turn. It's just like to try and kind of get around that. It's just like if you can give them something to chew on where he can kind of feed that little, you know, figure out the weirdest thing that you can do. And hell, you know, it's just like, hey, you know what? Come up with a couple of magical items. I wanted to do something like this that n- normally wouldn't come is if you can do it, we might have it in one of the shops or something like that. You know? So we- we've come up with some crazy, absolutely ridiculous items that of course wouldn't come up. They- but you know what, uh, for the, um, you know, in, in, in for, um, uh, you know, it's like, but they use like variants on the night, night hammer, mm-hmm. um, you know, for name. training, for sparring, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you know what it's like to go down on one hit. So, you, yeah. you know, nights in training and da 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 And that's kind of cool because then somebody feels cool because they came up with an idea, you know, mm-hmm. that's part of your world. Yes. And it's in the all world. But, you know, they're, 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 they're saying, like, give me all that cheese. Give me all that number crunching. I don't, I don't want to come down on the number <clears throat> crunching folks. It's a perfectly valid play style. And some of the, one of the very best players I've had is one of those guys. Yeah. But he does it in a way – that is consistent with the world consistent with the game. And it's not there to show off how good he is with the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sure he can do pretty cool things, but it's not game breaking and it's not intended to be. And it's not about, look at me, look what I can do to the numbers, look what I can do with the sheet. It's about, this is my character. These are his motivations. And, And I like that if you have that number crunching, you know, love it, but you still say, okay, well, what would my character actually do? There, they you have know. to be more than numbers unless yes. they are a sentient computer program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on, dude. I always play the Technomancer. I always play the number person. So Which is I, great. No, it, I mean, it works <laughs> and, beautifully. If it's terrible, you know, like yeah, and every, some people are good at it. Yeah. A lot and, of the best players I have are like that. Yeah, I, I am not. I, I mean, I can sort of make that work, but it's not what my strong point is. And so I try not to like a lot of people. That's one of the things with 
whenever I'm running something, they'll be like, oh, it's this thing. Okay, well, I know because, you know, they've got like, they've memorized every damn monster or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's got, it's got 38 hit points. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You know? Yeah, it's like, oh, you, and, yeah, I it, might, it might arbitrarily be like a changing things. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you know what? That, that kind of looks like a zombie. Nope, sorry. It's a flesh golem. Yeah. Like, that I will do all kinds of weird things and just change how some of the mechanics work, even. Or were you, were you there for the gold golems, Chrissy? Yes, yes, I was. Mm, I, I think I, so. I think Zippy was one talking about it. Yes. And it was when he was playing mm-hmm. crazy ass Hogan. Dear God, he never let ADD. Oh my God, it was like two levels of like a bajillion things, and he went blood out. Yeah, <laughs> but that ah, that's the way that it goes. So, I mean, here's the thing. Do we... Oh. Uh, oh, damn. We haven't been chatting a while. Christ. We have been. Well, well okay, okay. First, we, okay, we do have the super important questions uh, we always ask of every guest. Yes. Um, yes. Zen, if you would. Okay. What is your... Basically, what would your challenge rating... And like class combination B so that we can get a rough idea of how much XP you're worth. Oh, hmm. <laughs> In what Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, anything, anything? Any, yes. any, anything. You I, want. I believe the answer, the correct answer to that is yes. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I could have warned you about this question, but I wanted to spring yeah, it on you. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. That's this is more fun. fun. It is more fun. Yeah, on the spot. Gotta love it. So, <laughs> I'd probably I'd be a civilian class. I wouldn't be. <laughs> okay, wouldn't what, be like the, an aristocrat or, or. I don't know if I'd be an aristocrat. I'm. I mean, I'm a white collar worker, I'm a software engineer. Um, doing it for a while. Expert. Yeah. Yeah. Expert. There we go. Expert. Yeah. Um, let's see. Wow. If you don't know your exact level, pretty I don't know much. my exact level. What, all right. What kind of loot would you drop? What kind of loot would I drop? I would drop. Loot drop. Loot drop. Okay. Am I translated into the world or am I in no, no, it, it, 20 it, modern or something? No, here it is. If you, if, <laughs> if this was a game, if our world was a virtual reality game it might well be. and something, it oh, might I know, well be. don't get me in on that. But if somebody just like, you know, and this is like some kind of VR, AR game, and you just got poop and went, what kind of loot do you leave behind? Well, obviously I leave my cell phone and my wallet with some credit cards, but no cash. Uh, that doesn't have to be real. It could be just like, you know, like know the essence of you. It's just like, I would say, okay, like, what am I going to drop? I'm going to drop. Okay. You know how like the wolf will drop like a guitar or something yes. on the world of Warcraft. Okay. Yes. So what do I drop? That's thematic to me. I drop, I drop a fantasy novel. I drop a, well, let's see. I listen to podcasts a lot. So I, it's kind of funny being here and hearing your guys' voices in, I mean, I'm used to Jules's voice, <laughs> but hearing everybody's voice, not double speed because I listen to all my podcasts is double speed. <laughs> yeah. That's the way we are. So like all of them. So headphones? I probably headphones. Yeah. I would drop headphones, but I would actually drop headphones because I'm almost yeah. always wearing my, oh. my little headphones. 
Yeah, what I would what I would see is like you would you would leave behind um, you know a, a pop culture some library, but actually dice, dice pop oh, culture God, library, like a, something out of the pop culture library you have. You know, it's well, just like, I've got the wall of gaming books. It's yes. insane. Like oh, it's yeah. absolutely insane how many gaming books I've got. It's it's I shouldn't have done that. I'm I, I'm kind of embarrassed. It's absurd. Like no, yeah. I'm I'm not kidding. It's absurd. <laughs> yeah. It's I, I have seen it. It it is it is yeah. truly and amazingly events. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But totally <laughs> I have like it. all of the all of the New World of Darkness. I don't even love the New World of Darkness that much, but I have all of the original books. The ones that they did before it's insane. It's just, the New World of Darkness is actually good. Oh, it is good. It's That's, just it is good. Don't get me wrong. It is, it's amazing. That's why I bought all the freaking books, but I should not have done that. like all the first editions anyway, because I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. keep up with the second editions and they, they mostly moved basically everything that they published in hardcover before they switched to primarily being print on demand is in, is on essentially, I don't know, like how many, like how many feet wide is that? It's crazy. I don't know. It's, 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 gi- it's ginormous. It's, it's, and it was over the course of years. It was still insane. And I want that money back. Thank you. very much. <laughs> <laughs> See, I have most of the vampire books for that. And I have all of the changeling books. Lost is amazing. It Lost is. Lost it is, is genius. Amazing. I've got guys. Ooh, I've got Geist. some of the stuff for Geist. Um, Promethean? Geist, Promethean. I've I got Promethean. I've got Werewolf, like the base stuff. I've got some stuff for Mage. Mm, but don't get me started on Mage. I do not like the new Mage, but that's just me. I'm not getting into it. Grummy, grummy. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's, it's kind of weird because I, I I'll, I'll be honest, just I never kind of put it together how you two both are just as GMs, at least in how you craft your world are so bloody similar. And it's just, I don't know why I never put it together. And I'm like, Oh my God. Ah. Broad strokes at the top and then start really small in a little pixely spot and then spiral out from there. Like a friend. No, the best No, it's how you paint a mini. You do the oh, whole yeah. thing first. You do you the base coat, so you have it primed, yeah. and then you start doing with little, and then you go tinier. And yeah, I got reasonably okay at painting minis. Nobody's <laughs> going to give me a prize or anything, but I'm not embarrassed <laughs> to show up with it. Yeah, I just finished I... Uh, three more orcs. I'm getting ready to paint my uh, jack o' lantern headed uh, grave keepers that I got from my, my bones Kickstarter. I have mm, like, bones are amazing. Like a hundred bones still left to paint from the third Kickstarter. Yes. You've got all the bones. Those are, those are really good minis. Yes. Oh, yeah. I had to go insane. I can't, I can't be trusted to leave things alone. I have to mod and change things. So I think the ones I'm most proud of are when I took the, uh, the 40 K Necron, the Catan, um, was it the Nightbringer or something like that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I did was, okay, it's this basically death figure in a long flowing robe. And the thing is probably like eight inches tall and whatever. And I said, you know what? This isn't enough. And so I found a Warhammer mini. I think it's like some kind of dark, something on somebody on dark Pegasus. That's the name of it. I forget the name of the character, but the Pegasus had the wings I wanted. So I took the Pegasus, I took its wings and I, I, Put them on the back of this katana, and now it's got big black leather bat wings, and it just <laughs> makes it 
better. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot scarier. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Nightmare fuel right it's, there. It's absurd. I just love it. So, but I haven't painted in a while. Yeah, I, I've I've actually started uh, just recently. I was like, I have to spend at least one night a week painting. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I've got but to get everything caught up, especially since I just got my the terrain crate. Uh, my terrain crates from Mantic. Awesome. I did too. That's and amazing. Yeah, look 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 for look stuff. for look for Zen's unboxing on YouTube. Yes, I will be posting those as soon as I get them off my phone and edited. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I look Should forward be. to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've, we've actually got one and I've, I've been playing around with a, uh, several different types of uh, me like social media stuff because I'm not sure what's drawing what. So I'm going to start hitting kind of a bit of everything. And see if I can find yeah, these cool stuff that we buy. I think like, my favorite unboxing video is still the Hero Quest unboxing video. Yes. Oh god. Well, we'll we will put that. We'll, we'll put a link to that down in the doobly doo. Okay. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Trust me. <laughs> All right. But um. Ah oh, gosh. Well, let's see. <laughs> as as we usually get ready to close out a show. We usually do. <gasps> what? What? Come on now. What do you think? What? Shout out. Uh, middle, middle, middle fingers to the man. Shout out. We're not doing lexicon or any of that. But we do have shout yeah, out. Yeah, staff like, no, when we do interviews, it's just, no. Yeah, yeah. It, it's shout outs <clears> to <throat> the, the cool stuff, something that you're, you're doing or you're chatting up. So, sure. Um, it, <clears throat> So Zen, do you want to start and we'll I'll go next and then we'll have uh, Mark take us home. All right. So what's what is your shout out for this? Okay. Week? I just recently picked up the hardcover from Boom Studios, which is a comic book company. Duh. Grant Morris did Klaus. And Ooh. it's the story of Santa Claus. <laughs> But it's dark. Yes. It is so good. Sinterklaus. No, yeah, it's, Sinterklaus. it's just called Klaus. That's the name of the... Co- it's so amazing. And it is no, this so is just where the dark. name comes from, but yeah. And oh. it, it feeds off of the myths and the old world inspirations for things. And it's amazing. And we... I had... I bought it when it first came out. I've got the individual like issues and we just oh happened to catch when we were in the comic shop, like, like last two weeks ago, I think we saw it. And um, actually we saw it at the, they, my comic shop does a, did a Batman fifth uh, issue 50, you know, wedding special. Midnight, they released it so we could buy them on that night. Well, we were there and we saw it and we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So we basically grabbed the hardcover. We were like, stick it in our folder. We'll be back next week. (laughs) Nice. And it's beautiful. It's, there's going to be another one 
that includes some of the ones that are after the first six because it was a miniseries. They're doing a second uh, soft cover that was they've done a couple of additional issues and one of them was really weird and I don't know if I would it felt uh, it felt like the same character had been tossed into an Invader Zim episode remember the Christmas episode yes it's weird like that and it's like Invader Zim and have you ever seen the uh, American Dad like assault that yeah. they do with like the weird where Roger goes up on the mountain and finds the crazy dude that makes moonshine and it's take okay no, if you've not a, not American if you've dad, ever yeah. seen that one it's like take all three of those elements mash them together and that's what this one book is like it's so strange it's like somebody did a whole lot of drugs and thought this was a great idea don't be dissing to drugs man i mean (laughs) but yeah the the one that i got is is the original series and it is so good if you get the chance definitely look at picking it up so nice all right what do you got uh, I wish I, I wish I want to be that awesome, but I'm not quite that awesome. So give me time. Come on. Oh, come on. You know, it's me. Okay. Um, for me, I, I am going to go with a good old standby, uh, girl genius. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite comics. Yeah. It's our, it, the arts by the folios. And, it's if you want mad science, it's beautifully done. The art is rich. The story is phenomenal. The characters are hateable and lovable at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, never, let me just put it this way. I have never seen that they, they have you. Okay. You're mad scientists. You have like, uh, you know, you have like cyborgs and zombies, this is the only thing I have actually seen a mad social scientist. Mm. And I'm like, he's like, give me those kids cheese and a heads major. I will show you what I can do. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, you can read them all online. And if you like them buy the books, you can buy, they got pins and all that other good stuff, but it, it's a romp. It really is a romp. And you know, the, 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 the drama that comes up, you know, and the interpersonal drama, it feel as crazy as this world is, it's human. And that's what kind of draws it back to, you know, so it's not over the world relatable. You know, it's like, you can actually, you can actually feel it's just like, Ooh, I know what that, it's like, yes, I don't have, you know, like a, a walking mech suit kind of a thing, but I know what that's like, or, you know, so that's, that's me. It's like, it, it, enjoy the madness, enjoy the science. And, you know, as my, my husband and I have always said, it's just like for science and just, of course, over the top. Of course. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. And Mark, what is your recommendation or thing that you think is totally awesome? Mm. 
many choices, and I hope this one hasn't been done before. Doesn't matter. But I'm going to go with a book. I'm going to go with Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology. It has. It has, it has not been um, I, I mentioned it, but not on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It is essentially the, the poetic and prose mm-hmm. edits or something like that done by Neil Gaiman. He basically has taken the stories and has written them out in his own, in his own inimitable style. And it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's yeah. brilliant. And, and then he, he then for the audiobook, he is the narrator for the audiobook as well. So you get to listen to Neil Gaiman telling the stories. And he's an amazing audiobook narrator as mm-hmm. well because everything Neil Gaiman does is amazing. Yeah, he has way too many talents. No, no one in the world should have that many talents. He so. should because then we wouldn't have Neil Gaiman. Oh, true. But you get my point. I get your point. <laughs> it it's it's fantastic. It's Thor wakes yeah. up. Something is wrong. Can I blame Loki? No. Ask Loki for help. It's it's. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that was not a direct quote, but I, I just I just love it. Just the basics. It's so. amazing. <clears throat> All right. So And Thor in a wedding dress. I mean, you just can't go wrong with that. <laughs> oh god, yes. <laughs> so So the thing is like this there this wraps up our interview with the unbelievably awesome Mark Owens. Thank you so much for spending the evening with us. Thank you for having me on. It's been an honor and it's been tremendous. So Thank yeah. you. And uh hopefully um you can chat with him in our Facebook yes. group. Uh, I'm so, on here. Poke me. Yeah, poke him. It's he's got a lot of stories to tell, and is always if you're if you're nervous about something, want to ask, he knows so much, and he's he's probably one of the easiest people to talk to out there. So hey. you know, kindest guy too. So you know, so this is I guess where we will leave you for this, and we will see you all next yes. week. So hopefully, this will drop so, after. Gen Con. So hopefully you've all have had a good hopefully. Gen Con. We'll find out. Yeah. And are staying home and staying away from the rest of us with your yes. con crud. Unclean! You have to hear my voice at double speed when this comes out. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's gonna be hilarious. It's like ah be, you can say actually you'll be able to give us a what would it sound like to hear your own voice in a podcast at doubles at uh, double speed? Oh, I mean I did my own for like 11 episodes like many years ago i know but i had it's really funny i had like 20 listeners and then i interviewed patrick rothfuss and i had 600 listeners and then went back to 20 after that yeah (laughs) pretty good interview (laughs) that's the way that it goes we'll spike and ebb so it was fun all right but until next week have a good one keep gaming bye-bye You can contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050 Gardemanger. And the show's Twitter account is at Seize the GM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Seize the GM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. 
You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seizethegm.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And we thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.